my church, my social club, my preferences, my way. That's the title of today's podcast. And I'm assuming you're wanting me to lead off with this commercial from the 70s, Keith. I think this will confirm to everybody that you are, in fact, out of your mind. Look, Mark, cue it up. It helps make the point, and it might seem like I'm out of my mind, but this really kind of sets the tone for the focus. Play it. Have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way at Burger Sir? Two Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Now that's the way to do things. Our way. Have it your way. Have it your way. So that clip says a lot about today's topic because people in the church these days, they want it their way. And people come to church, they remain in church, or they leave churches for all kinds of reasons, but too often they leave not for a good reason. And today's topic is part of our series, The Lies People Tell. That's why we've entitled this podcast, My Church, My Social Club, My Preference, My Way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby, Out of My Mind. This is podcast 044, podcast 44, where we have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of a complex issue facing the culture, the church, and you as we apply God's word to make sense of it all. And at the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources for further study, just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. Now, we're going to do something different today. You may be listening to us for the first time. My name is Keith Crosby. I'm the lead pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose. And with me in studio, as always, is Mark Stickler, our student ministry pastor and our producer. Today, we discuss the lie that people tell, not so much out loud, or, but they mutter it or they mumble it in their hearts and perhaps quietly that the church is something like their private club where their needs and special orders are met or else. And they'll go to another establishment who will give them more of what they want if they don't get what they want their way. And that's why we've entitled this podcast what we've entitled it. And so to set the tone for this, I do want to kind of provide biblical context for this discussion by sharing with everyone two scriptures. So let's start with these scriptures that set the context for everything. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in 1 Timothy 3:14 and 15, the Holy Spirit says through the pen of the apostle Paul, I write these things so that if I am delayed, you will know how to conduct yourself in the household of the faith, the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So Mark, what do you see here? What's your initial takeaway? Well, I think the first thing we see is that Jesus is the one who builds the church. Uh, you see that in Matthew 16, 18, um, as well as in that first Timothy passage, that God, Jesus, he has set up standards and practices for the way that the church should should operate and, and what it's going to be about. That's exactly right. So now relate this to the fast food commercial we listened to. 
Well, I think that's in direct contrast to to what the Bible says. That the the commercial says, you know, oh, you can have it your way, right? The the jingle that never leaves your head. Uh, special orders don't upset us. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Um, you know, that's that's just what our culture and what we think of is is so important. And and I think what we see in these verses is that's not the case. It's uh, you know, Jesus, God has has set up the way that the church should operate. And he's in charge and not the consumer, as uh, Burger King would have you believe. Exactly. You know, in our culture, you are in charge. You are the customer, and the customer is king. But in Jesus's economy, he says, I will build my church. It's his church, not yours, not mine. It's Christ's church. And in the First Timothy passage, whose church is it? Yeah, it's the church of the living God. Exactly. It's his church. He owns it. And so how do we determine his structure, his practices, and his preferences? How, how do we determine his way? Well, I think you see that there in that First Timothy passage where Paul says, you know, I write these things. So you find that these things in the epistle, the all the commands and, and the ways that we're supposed to do church, you see all of those things in this letter. And ultimately, we find what is really, is, as we understand Paul being an apostle, being the one who, who got to write for God, um, we see God's prescription um, and standards for what the church is, and it's written right there in the Bible. That's right. So if there's a conflict between our preferences and his prescription, who wins? <laughs> well... I would hope that that's God who wins. Uh, I think that that's the right way to do things. Uh, it is his church after all. And and just as Jesus said, you know, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in 1 Timothy 3, 14, 15, it refers to the church as the household of faith, the church of the living God. And so I would hope that we understand and we can extrapolate from those scriptures that it's God's church that he's built um, and is building, and that's the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. I think if there's a church that we build, it's very easy for the gates of hell to prevail against that. That's true. I, I think that's exactly right, Mark. But here we are living in a fallen world, but what if the people want church their way? Doesn't that count for something? I mean, isn't this a democracy? Uh, I mean, some people would probably think that way, and, and maybe it depends. Depends on what? Well, I think really it would depend on whether or not that church is following Christ or they want to follow their own desires, their own preferences. Um, it depends on, on whether or not they truly want what God wants or they just want what they want. And how will they know what God wants? Well, see, that's the easy question to answer because, I mean, it's all written in the Bible, right? It's, it's there in black and white. It's been written down. Paul's prescribed it. Uh, Jesus has talked about it, and, and there's just no way around that. But I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, Mark. Aren't there so many translations and so many conflicting and different interpretations? Well, yes, there are a lot of translations, but I think that the, the conflicting interpretations is, is kind of a, the issue there, because I don't think that there are there should be conflicting interpretation. I, I think people definitely have that. Um, but I mean, really, I, I think this is kind of where we may be going because you see the title of these this series of podcasts this season is is really the lies that people tell. And so I think um, what you're you might be hinting at here a little bit is that these are a little bit of these lies that people tell themselves about through their interpretation of what they think the Bible says um, or what they ultimately want the Bible to say. Well, that's it, Mark. This is what they want it to say. They want it to say they can have it all their way. 
but they can't. And really, the Bible, when you read it, regardless of whether it's the New American Standard or the English Standard Version or the, the New King James or whatever it is, it's pretty clear cut. And we know how to interpret the Bible. How do we find the meaning of a text? We ask ourselves three questions. What do the words say? We call that observation. What do the words mean? That's interpretation. And then what do we do? That's application. And we get that by just reading the text with a natural, commonsensical reading. I mean, when you read, you shall not commit adultery, it's pretty straightforward. When you read, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, it's pretty straightforward. When you read that an elder shall be the husband of one wife, oh, that's pretty straightforward. The man has to be the husband of one wife. And so a lot of people, they want to find conflicting interpretations because that gives them the latitude to have things their way. And so we have this whole thing, my church, my social club, my preferences, and people, you know, they want to fight about the color of the carpet or they're not happy with the pastor's style of preaching or there's some accent that, the, uh, that a Sunday school teacher has or some personality trait. It's really about their personal preference and they forget that it's God's church, God's will, God's word, and often their personal preferences aren't grounded in the Bible. It's the reverse of what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, not what I will, Father, but what you will, your will be done. And in the culture, it's my will be done, my church, my social club, my preferences. Yeah, I've seen this attitude in people that, you know, they abandon ministries or relationships because ultimately they didn't get what they want. I mean, I think it's a it's a problem. And I I was talking with somebody earlier today and we were having this conversation and it's a problem that plagues all churches. I think, you know, I've heard you even say, you see the same people at each church. They just go by different names and maybe have different hairstyles. And ultimately, you know, some of these people just aren't teachable. They aren't happy. uh, And sometimes, not always, uh, they share their displeasures with others and, and their frustrations. And they, they do that with their friends, but they never share it with the leadership. Well, that's it. You know, they they leave and they don't allow themselves to be challenged. They don't give people a fair hearing. They don't try to understand what's going on because they have an itch that they didn't get scratched. And it's kind of that consumer mentality, like the Burger King commercial. They want to have it their way. And you see a lot of this sometimes in churches that had grown stagnant. The people lose perspective. God's church becomes their church. Subtly over time, a shift takes place and the church begins to lose steam, uh, it begins to bleed out people, it loses attendance, a dying process starts, and it's because people wanted it their way and not God's way, and he slowly takes his hands off of the church. And at first, it's hard to detect because a lot of our friends are still here, but over time, it becomes obvious something is amiss. Uh, And you, you hear people talking about the good old days in the past, or they're talking about their friends or their family, and and these uh, factors replace God and his will. God becomes secondary, comfort, preference, they become primary. Maybe it's substituting their will for God's will subconsciously, but it does happen. Why don't you talk about how this does happen? Because I definitely don't think this is something that happens overnight, right? That's right, Mark. And and a lot of factors lead to this. Sometimes it's a desire for numbers. And so they begin to kind of back off a little bit of the hard teaching because they want to appeal to a broader uh, spectrum of people and they don't want to turn anybody away. 
sometimes it's, a, it's an extension of that whole numbers thing, a, a desire or a craving for success. Sometimes a pastor or the leadership becomes a little too accommodating because they're, they're comfortable, they like being liked, they don't want to rock the boat, they don't want to stir up the waters. And so you start seeing terminology redefined like we're gospel-centered. What does that mean? It means that we're just about the gospel, John 3.16, and a couple of Bible stories maybe about like Joshua, but not too much else. They don't want, they don't want too much precision because they don't want to lose the love and fellowship of those who are heaping acceptance upon them. And so they begin to back off of the truth of God's word. You've heard me say this before. It's, it's not what, what often harms the church is not what's taught, but what's not taught. And so staff being human, can become comfortable and they kind of fall into a complacency and they start going with this flow of preferences to keep the ship afloat, to keep the ship going, to keep their jobs. I think let's pause for a minute because this actually kind of makes me uh, think about a little bit. Uh, we're going through Revelation here at Hillside on Sunday mornings and we're going to be just starting chapter two. Uh, I think we just started it this past week here uh, and we see Jesus talking to these seven churches about their strengths and their needs and, and calls them to repentance. So uh, I, I think that's probably a good thing that we can work in here. Okay. Well, we just finished chapter one, right? You have the glorified Christ, and he's revealing these things to the apostle John. And then in, chap in chapters two and three, he starts speaking to these seven individual churches about their problems. And we, you know, we covered the first seven verses last Sunday with Ephesus, and now we're going to deal with some ailing churches. There are, in, in the makeup of the seven churches, you have two healthy churches that, that God blesses and approves of. You have two dead churches, but then you have what I would call three ailing or complacent church, and they're preaching the gospel, and they are teaching uh, God's word, but he calls them to repent or to die because they've allowed themselves to become doctrinally loosey-goosey, and they've had some shaky teachers, and they've gone off course. Now, none of them are engaged in devil worship or human sacrifice, but what you see is they become a little too tolerant, and I would say they become a little like social clubs, like many churches today, who want to have it their way. And so their doctrinal precision is gone. Their, their commitment to truth is compromised. And it, it seems like they don't want to offend some people within the congregation. You know, I used to live in the Midwest, and there was this thing called Midwestern Nice or Minnesota Nice, and it was sort of pioneered at the 3M Company where people went out of their ways not to offend each other in meetings. They could never confront issues, and they'd have these long meetings, and they would go into their offices and just do their own thing. And it worked for 3M for a while, but eventually the company had to confront it. And organizations up there, like churches down here, it's hard to get anything done when you're bending over backwards to be nice and you're avoiding confronting problems or dealing with the hard issues that are talked about in God's Word. And in the church today, too often, people put niceness over truth. And being nice isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad idea in and of itself when done for the right reasons. But you cannot do it at the expense of the truth of God's Word. And above all, you just can't do your own thing. You just can't have it your way. And I know that's a hard lesson to take in the 21st century American church. It can be a hard pill to swallow. But as the Holy Spirit says through the pen of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, each of us has a role to play in the body of Christ. One's a foot. 
uh, one's a hand, and we can't have it our way because God, it says in verse uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God, in fact, has placed parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That is to do his will, not to have their way. Too many Christians today will say that they love God, but they want to do church their way. I had an elder chair once tell me years ago that, hey, we don't get involved in ministry. We push decisions down to the people, and they do what's right in their own sight. Wow, that sounds more like the problem in Judges, where you know everybody did what was right in their own eyes, and there was no king on the throne more so than it, than it is or should be a model of church leadership. Yeah, I remember wincing when he said that. You know, my mind did go back to the judges. Everyone did what was right in their own sight, and there was no king in Israel, and that means <clears throat> there was no leadership in that church. Now, we straighten that out over time. But here's the thing. God has placed us all, leaders and different servants, elders, deacons, whatever, deaconesses, to do his business his way, according to his preference. It's not about our way, it's about his way. We call that worship. And so I say to church leaders, if you love Jesus and if you love your neighbor as Christ commands, you have to be willing to do the hard thing sometimes, to say no to people, to be willing to offend, because not everyone can have it their way, and so leadership has to say no. And I know you don't want to offend people, but sometimes you do have to confront problems, and you have to do that sometimes at the expense of seeming nice. And for those who can't say no, you, ha- you find them in anemic churches because the church leaders are afraid to offend, and the churches are becoming terminally ill and dying, and God removes their lampstand, as it says in Revelation. You know, that's what happened to Ephesus. The Eph- Ephesus lost its way. It lost steam. And while it was sound in so many ways, Jesus called Ephesus to repent or he would snuff out their lampstand. And as history tells us, he did just that. Churches today lose steam when they start thinking about pleasing their people at the expense of pleasing God. And Christ calls us to return to the works that we did at the beginning as a church, to be faithful to the calling with which we've been called. And uh, church is about Christ. It's not a social club. And you can't have it all your way when your way is about your preference, not God's will or God's word. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, but when you say no, uh, as, as a leadership in a church, you're saying, no, we're not going to go along with this preference. Uh, and, and really, you're saying we need to obviously reorient things. Uh, how, how do churches go about that? I think it all starts with teaching the whole counsel of God's word. You've heard me say it before, and I said it in this podcast. What cripples a church, and we'll see this on Sunday as we continue with Revelation chapters 2 and 3, is not so much what's taught, but what's neglected. And so you start teaching God's Word and let the Scriptures take you, the leadership in the church, wherever the Scriptures lead. And at Hillside, for example, we just finished a lengthy series on the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, and leadership adjusted the church more in line with God's Word. And maybe you want to talk about any of the fallout that we saw from that? Well, there was a little fallout. Uh, Not everyone was happy with what they learned. But the fact is, that's what God's Word said. And God's Word was plain. And because God's Word is plain, so is God's will. And because we're not a social club, we made changes. Now, not everybody was happy with that. And some people did leave. But ultimately, people accepted God's Word for what it was, God's Word. And we want to do God's will here at Hillside. 
You know, he raises up churches as he raises up individual Christians for such a time as this to change the world one soul at a time with the message of Jesus Christ. It's about worship. It's about sacrifice, not preferences. It's about obedience, not comfort. It's not what the world wants. It's what Christ wants. And when the church, like those churches in Revelation 2 and 3, look more like the world and blend in rather than stand out because everyone's comfortable just as they are, the church has lost its way, its vision, and its purpose. And such churches may typically coast for a season or two, but they gradually die. Well, yeah, and then I think sometimes there's events like what we've just kind of gone through with this COVID uh, pandemic, and I think that that's definitely sped up the death for a lot of these churches. It has, and in some churches it's caused a pruning because those who really weren't all in for Christ drifted away. You know, God is a great gardener, and he has a way of cutting away the dead wood. Okay, so maybe now as we wrap up here, uh, what are some things to take away from this? What should a Christian think or do? What's kind of the call to action here? Well, we have to remember, in our own context today, we are emerging from COVID. That's been a difficult year, but God has built up his church to be, as we discussed earlier, the pillar and foundation for the truth of the gospel. And so the church must not be about personal preferences, but worshiping God by fulfilling his purposes and not being a social club where you get your way. It's about God's way, and that's not always easy. So Christian, as you look at your church, ask yourself, why am I here? To serve or to be served? And ask yourself, will I have it God's way or my way? And if you're thinking about leaving your church, ask yourself why. Are they teaching heresy? Are they into immorality? Is the church not fulfilling the Great Commission? Or maybe you've elevated your preferences and your desires a little too high above God's calling on your life and the church's mission. Christ is building his church. The question is, will you be part of building his church? Or will you be part of trying to build your own conception or misconception of a church? Think about it. At Hillside Church, we want to be playing offense for the kingdom of God. And that involves commitment, sacrifice, and it doesn't always align itself with comfort or the social club model. But it's not about a social club. It's about laying up treasure in heaven. Well, I think that's about it for today, Mark. If you'd like further resources, you can visit our resource page at www.gracetoliveradio.org and click the podcast resource button. If you'd like to email me or ask me a question, you can email me at keith at hillside.org. I'd love to hear from you, and I do try to answer emails within 24 hours. If you want to learn more about Hillside Church, visit our website at www.hillside.org. You can worship with us in person at 8, 9.30, or 11 a.m. on Sundays or catch us online for the live stream. Before you go, if you're listening on a podcast platform like Spotify or Stitcher or iTunes or Amazon, give us a five-star rating. Tell people about us. We want to reach more people for the kingdom of God and for Christ. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler. Out of my mind, God bless you and keep you.